Welcome to the I Am Podcast. My name is Carl Weaver, and I am the website content manager at I Am. If you have any suggestions for the I Am Podcast, you can email me at carl.weaver at iamovers.org. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. We want to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash iamovers slash message. I will also put the link in the show notes so you can click on it right there. I am staff members Julia O'Connor, Chuck White, and Jamila Kenny recently had a great conversation about issues relating to diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. Take a listen and let us know what you think. So welcome and thank you to those that are joining us on the podcast for I am series brought to you by the I am Leadership Alliance program. Today we will discuss diversity, equity, and inclusion to reach organizations that are striving to achieve improvements or reaching their goals with having more women and diversification within leadership roles at their company. If you have achieved success in this area and are willing to share your stories and ideas, we would love to hear from you for a future podcast. So please email IAM staff member Carl Weaver at carl.weaver at iamovers.org. So hello again, and thank you for being here. My name is Julia O'Connor. I'm the Director of Membership and Database Management at IAM, and I'm joined here today with my colleagues, IAM President Chuck White and Jamila Kenny, IAM's Deputy Director of Finance and Administration. So welcome to you both. <laughs> thank you, Miss Julia. You know, I, as, as I listen to you do that intro, I think, Maybe she's got a future in radio, maybe, you know, got the right voice and the right intonation there. I, I like it. I like it. Well, I would have never said that a year ago. I think it's been all of these Zoom calls that have <laughs> really yeah. helped all of us hone our skills. That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, I think also we have a big uh, congratulations here. We have Jamila Kenny, staff members, been recently promoted into a new position. So big congratulations to you, Jamila. That, that's fantastic very happy for you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yes. All right. Well, let's just, let's jump into it. We've got a lot to cover today. So Chuck, I'm going to start with you. So can you tell us a little bit about the Leadership Alliance program that I am recently launched? And from your perspective, why is this um, program important for our global membership? Sure. Uh, well, Julia, you you've been instrumental, so you yeah, you need to be able to take the credit for this, not not I. But but it it really has been near and dear to my heart, and it really started at our. I realized how important this was going to be during our virtual annual meeting in October, and and we've been brainstorming moving. Uh, IAM into this arena to confront some issues of diversity and, and, and women in leadership positions within our industry. Because, I mean, let's call it like it is, this has been a very male-dominated industry, uh, since at least since I have been in. And we've really seen the growth of 
uh, our industry with the addition of, of women leaders and women owners. And we really think we, we thought we needed to bring this issue forward. So we, uh, you have been instrumental in, in helping the, in the establishment of this group. We had a track for this at our annual conference, the virtual annual conference, and the response was unbelievable. Every single meeting that we had surrounding this topic was just jammed and packed. And the, the, the interaction and the discussion was lively and vibrant. And it really made me think, this really is something that, that we need to be doing. And so you, you have been instrumental in helping to formalize this group, to build a management board for the group. We've started to do uh, some webinar, uh, webinars that are focused in, on this arena. And I, I, again, the response has been spectacular. As spectacular as any new program that we've introduced at IAM in, in a long time. So I'm e extremely excited. And I'm excited because it, it's such a, a difficult topic at times to talk about. But I think associations we have found uh, those of us who are operating in this arena are really the leaders in bringing this forth to whatever industry we represent because it's such an important topic and we, we can spread the communication and, and the dialogue on a topic like this across an entire industry much more easily than, that, than a single organization trying to do it. So I, I I, I could go on and on, but I'm incredibly excited about uh, what the future offers for this group. Well, thank you, Chuck. I really do appreciate that. And, and since we started this initiative and, and trying to build it over the summer, I mean, you have been incredibly supportive every step of the way. And, you know, that's not always always like that. Other, other you know, leaders don't, don't lead that way. So, you know, kudos to you for being incredibly Thanks. supportive of us. Um, sending us names all the time of, of women that you know in our industry, in our membership, who need to be involved. So right. thank you so much. I mean, it's definitely a two-way street between the men and the women. And I think that this program has been successful already and will be much more as we, uh, you know, continue to develop it because, you know, both sides are, are big champions thus far. Right. Great. Thanks. Appreciate the kind words. No, thank you. Jamila, question for you. Uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. DEI is, is pretty much a US-centric term. So can you explain to the audience um, you know, what that means, especially for our global membership, you know, and why it's important to create a DEI learning track under the Leadership Alliance program? Sure, Julia. Um, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Is, com is a common, hmm, is commonly referred to here in the United States, but it is a phrase that is broadly used in, to explain different efforts that take place here in the work environment to create a less uh, inequality for less privileged people. I, I'm not sure if I'm saying this correctly. Basically, it is a term that we use here in the United States that describes 
how we need to even the playing fields for less privileged identities, i.e. younger people, the lost dimensions that would be like age, people that are older or disabled, and the grand old race. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why is that important for our alliance uh, program? Well, like Chuck said, this is a male dominated <laughs> industry. So with all the changes that we have seen in the last decade or two, since I've been working here with the younger people coming in, with women leaders becoming more and more pronounced, um, it's definitely something that needs to be addressed, making sure that we are taking the necessary efforts to make that um, an equal playing field, just recognizing the talent, not necessarily the gender or the race or the age, just recognizing that talent that's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and again, if, if I'll jump in here, yeah, being a person of color, being people of color, Ms. Jamila and, and myself, this is obviously near and dear to our heart. Um, since I have been in the industry, there's plenty of times where I can go into a meeting and I may be the only person of color in that meeting. And I, I've, I've learned to feel comfortable in that environment. And, and most, most are open to me in that environment. But, but I think if we don't verbalize this, if we don't open a discussion about this, then th things won't change. And there won't be the opportunities for women and people of color to climb the corporate ladder, to have the opportunities that are just considered open to to, to most, but but not really all. And so let, let's bring this to the forefront because the more, at least in my mind, the more diverse your workplace is, then the more perspectives that the leadership of an organization receives and then better decisions can be made for that organization because all points of view are considered. So by by bringing diversity to the workplace, it, bottom line, it pays, I believe. And that's where it really, is, where, where the rubber meets the road is your organization making money. That's what we're all in, in business for. And if diversity lends itself to that, then, then the roadblocks that have been in place in the past will be removed. Yeah, Chuck, I mean, I think you just elaborated perfectly on why diversity is important. And something that we had as a staff we have spoken about is, um, you know, having more diversity amongst our, our, our committees. And that's something that we have been striving to achieve. You know, it's, a, it's been, I'd, I'd say, slow moving. But um, I think the more that we have these discussions, I think the more that we can get our members involved and and like you just said, bring that diversity into the conversations, which is just essential. So again, I, I, I appreciate those comments. Um, uh, I'll shut up, Jamila, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 I was gonna say it's almost like an evolution from 20 years ago to today, just uh, having a person of color in leadership uh, understanding that we do need to have diversity within our committees because, I mean, we do represent so many different countries that represent so many different communities, colors, race, uh, genders. 
So um, I think that's a great that's a great point, Mr. White, to, to to actually acknowledge it and to say, hey, this is something that we would like to work on. Yeah, yeah. See, and and so I have selfish uh, motives here uh, in, in doing this because I look at our, as you've already talked about, Julia. I look at our executive committee, the top governance level within uh, the International Association of Movers. I look at many of our committees and they don't reflect the diversity in our membership. And we, we have to be conscious about making a change there. <clears throat> Excuse me. We can't wait for change to happen. We have to be intentional. We have to have a plan to move forward. We have to encourage leadership, female leadership, diversity uh, leadership and bring that together to make our governance structures more reflective of what a membership that includes 170 countries, what, what that looks like. And the, and the more we can do of that, I think the better our association will be for. Absolutely, wholeheartedly agree. Um, Jamila, question for you. So can you describe for us how your career has been enhanced by exposure to diverse people, places, or experience, or quite simply, has there just not been enough? That's so interesting. Um, within the association, I have to say, yes, I've been exposed to so many different people of different culture, ethnicity. I love it. I love it. Um, I grew up abroad, so it does, uh, it's a welcoming feeling to see so many different faces, um, colors. It's just, I, I think that we should see all the colors and love all the colors. We should celebrate them, you know what I mean? That way we can treat everybody equally. And um, with IAM, I think they do a great job with that representation within our membership. Um, yeah, I, I, we talked about this a little bit before we got on the air. For for our membership, it's so fabulous to be and see all of the the hues and colors that are involved when we come to our to our annual meeting. But it seems the only color that matters to them is green. <laughs> it's all it's all about the money, and that you know that breaks down all of the barriers. That breaks down all of the walls. It may be you know, cultural, it may, it may be religion, it may be color, it may be ethnicity, it, it, it could be all those things. But when you start waving that money around, all the barriers fall <laughs> down and I wanna do business with you. So, you know, that, that is the very, it's a, it's a wonderful place to be. I agree. All about that bottom line. <laughs> That's yeah. one of my favorite things about working at IAM is, is, is our annual meeting and it's our membership of, you know, we've met people all over the world that without being in this industry, we would have never had the opportunity to meet. We've been able to build friendships and I feel, you know, if we go visit them in their country, they would welcome us with open arms. And I, I think that's one of the most unique things that we have, you know, especially in the association space that we're in. It's how unique and special our membership is. Yeah, we were on a, uh, a webinar late last night, <laughs> Julia and I were, and where we're trying to meet our members where they are, i.e. we were trying to touch base with the Pacific uh, area, the Asian 
community, Australia, and try to be in their time zone versus having them force, uh, having us force them into our, our time zones here in, a, in the US. And there was a young woman who was on there from uh, China. She was just amazing. She's followed up with me today and, and we've, we've continued the conversation today. But you know, never would I've had an opportunity to, to meet and engage with this woman. And she was so excited about being able to attend our annual meeting and she's coming by herself and she felt like how friendly and open our staff was that was on that uh, conversation on that webinar made her really feel like, hey, this is gonna be okay. These people are all right. And I will be able to have someone there that at least I've got a, a set of faces that I saw on Zoom that, uh, that I'll be able to engage with. So I won't be all alone. So it was really fun to engage with her. Yeah, Chuck, you know, I, I, I think that's one of your, your best qualities in how welcoming you are to people. It doesn't matter if you're at the top level of the company, if you have just started and they do feel that warmth of, you know, you, you genuinely care oh. and you want to get to know them. And that, that means a lot. And she followed up with you today because she felt that warmth and she felt that comfort. And, you know, for a first timer coming to our annual meeting, especially in a, she's female in a male dominated industry, just be, know that you have a familiar face or someone in the crowd is incredibly helpful. And I think that is something you're helping out with today is we're try, what we're trying to achieve with the Leadership Alliance program is, you know, getting those, facilitating those connections with yep. the women and some of the, well, the new well, people. Thank, the thank God that this uh, is not on Zoom. It's over <laughs> this podcast because you'd be seeing this brown face getting a little red right now. <laughs> <laughs> I never want to do that, but you know, yeah, you just, I, I, it, you just, you reminded me of, of that. And so I, I want to jump into my, my next question, um, which is Chuck, this is for you. So what is your approach to dealing with discussions about potentially difficult topics such as relate uh, race, religion, politics, even sexual orientation, sure. um, you know, because you are so open and so easy to talk to, but is it challenging at times? Sure, it's challenging because it's it's challenging around the world. But I think the biggest challenge is you know, we, we're located in the Washington DC area in the US and we come from such a US centric position on most things. It's not the same around the world. So having these discussions focused when I'm talking to a person from Europe or when I'm talking to a person from Africa or when I'm talking to a person from the Middle East, it can be very different. And it is going to be difficult for us with such a worldwide representation in our membership to have these discussions because of not necessarily whether, whether it's a woman or a person of color, but the whole cultural perspective on some of this is so different in different parts of the world. So we may have to tread lightly potentially in some of this, but I, you talked about strengths. I, I think that's one of my strengths. I think if we approach these mm -hmm. in a tactful way, 
with an understanding of the cultural impacts, but talking about them in, an, in a way that we are open and understanding and, and welcoming, then I think at least it breaks down some of the barriers. We're, we're not going to change necessarily people's minds, but I think having the discussion breaks down these barriers that have been up for a very, very long time. And we've at least got to put a little crack in the door, if you will, as, as we begin down this road, hopefully with bigger and better things to happen. But you got you to talk about it or else nothing's going to change. Yeah, absolutely agree with you there. And, and Jamil, I'll, I'll pose the same question to you. You're IAM's longest standing member. So, you know, have you seen, a, you know, change over the years? It, has it been... Has it been enough? Has it moved, you know, fast enough? Um, yeah, same question over to you. I think for me, I have seen change, positive change, and it's great to see it. Like I said before, it's almost like an evolution. In today's society, we do have to be cognitive of differences, i.e. religion, cultural. And these are things that while we may not fully understand them, we should always have like Chuck said, an open and a welcoming environment where we can have this discussion so that we can understand better and give the respect that is needed both ways. Um, knowledge is powerful. And if we know what to do and what not to do, then we can act accordingly. And I think that um, I would like to give the same respect that I would like to receive. So in order for us to have that common ground, we have to communicate. Yeah, we need to understand this, the, the, these cultural differences in particular. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the U.S., you know, African-Americans are, are a minority and, and a, to be honest with you, a shrinking minority in, in our country. But if you look, we talk about, in quotes, people of color. If we're going to Nigeria and we've got plenty of members in Nigeria, well, they don't even, I don't think, even consider the idea of people of color, the, the minority would be those that would be uh, Caucasian. And, and so, um, you, you know, you have to consider all of these factors as we go around the world and talk. But again, bottom line is regardless of what, what the color of our skin is or what religion we are or sexual orientation, we've got to be able to address the differences where we are, wherever that may be. But we've got to address differences because again, it is what, what value do you bring, if we're talking about from a business perspective, what value do you bring to my organization? Are you going to help me meet the goals of my organization? Are you going to help me be successful and financially secure? All the rest of the stuff is in my mind, just garbage. It's just trash. It's what do you bring? And whether, whatever color you may be, whatever religion you may be, what, what, whatever these differences are, if you can't bring something to the table, then I ended, it has nothing to do with any of those other things. It, it's what's inside of you, inside of your heart and inside of your head. Um, and that has nothing to do with, with color. So you know, we, we really need to start asking not, it's asking, what do you bring to the table, regardless of any of the other factors? 
Yeah, Chuck, I, you know, another question, uh, you know, we talked about your approach and how you get people involved and, and you're very welcoming with, with people who are, you know, maybe come into the room for a meeting and, and it can be very intimidating for a woman <laughs> sitting around the table, you know, with, with a bunch of men. So I'm going to ask you a question and, and really this is just for you to give some advice to some of the, some of the male leaders out there. Um, Something that IEM has done in the midst of COVID is we've had our stand-up meetings um, we've just about every day, and the staff gets to go around and let everybody know what they're working on. And it is from the highest level position to, you know, the, not the most junior staff member, but the newest staff member. And I don't think enough organizations might give their employees that, um, that opportunity. I'd, Chuck, can you talk a little bit about uh, more about that and, and the value that you've seen and maybe not all, all that we've accomplished over the past year, but have you seen the staff grow because of that? You know, that's a great question. It, it's really been interesting. First off, I never in my wildest dreams thought that I'd be 10 times busier during the middle of a <laughs> pandemic than, than I would be uh, b before that, that point in time. And some of that has to do with all the different meetings and, and Zoom sessions that we participate in. But I really do think that there's been some significant growth because we have been forced to get together in this kind of environment. Mm -hmm. And I think it's been incredibly helpful to get feedback and uh, thoughts and ideas from the full range of our staff. Now we are a small staff, we're, we're 11 people. So larger organizations probably can't do that, but you can do it either in a division or a directorate within your organization because you, we are hearing ideas and thoughts that were really never shared before or that we didn't take the opportunity maybe to listen to. And I have learned so much and gotten so many new perspectives and way to, ways to look at issue because it's almost out of the mouth of babes kind of thing, you know? You just don't know what you're gonna hear and you think, gosh, I never looked at it that way or never thought about that. So I'm all about this, I mean, it, and it's inclusion, but it's really staff inclusion and inclusion from all strata of our organization because we've, we've gotten ideas and thoughts mm -hmm. and angles on issues that we probably never would have gotten before. So I, I think the concept of continuing these short stand-up, sometimes not as short, but short stand-up kind of meetings where each person has an opportunity to share thoughts and ideas is something we even post-pandemic as we come into some kind of new normal and start to get back maybe into the office a little bit, it's going to be something that we're going to have to continue because it, it has really been a positive, I think, for the organization and for me in particular. It absolutely has. I think that what some simple step that we took at IAM ties back into what the Leadership Alliance program is trying to achieve with bringing in these diverse ideas and perspectives into the conversations. As you just said, we've had so many aha moments because people have mm -hmm. had the opportunity 
to you know voice their opinion on on um, some you know so, something that may seem so simple, something that we work on every single day, and then someone who's not as involved in the project will just we you know have something that will allow us to take it even further. So I, I think that's been tremendous for us, Jamila. What on this? What is your perspective? What, what have you seen? As far as the um, hmm hmm, I think. I would have to say the Zoom meetings have kind of brought it full circle um, to see everyone's face and to just get a better understanding of um, different perspectives. So within our association, I will say this, I am a minority, I'm a black female in this association, in our staff. And um, it, there is something there when you need to get a better understanding from another person's perspective. Mm -hmm. There's something there when you can hear them, even listen to them and try to stand in their shoes and, and see. Um, I can appreciate that. I can appreciate being heard. I can appreciate um, being a person of color. I can even appreciate being an African-American woman because here in the United States, that in itself can be challenging. So um, yeah, I, I, I think it's been a, I think it's been great. I, I, I think that I've gotten to know my colleagues who I share an office with <laughs> in a more intimate uh, uh, level. And um, you guys are okay. You know, I'll, I'll work here for a while longer. Wow, thanks a lot. You know, interesting. <laughs> as, as, wow, she blew me away with that one. Uh, <laughs> we're okay. Um, but it, it, you know, it really started out with an idea from one of the staff that had some experience in this type of engagement where he was part of the US military and the idea of a stand up and, and, and getting two or three minutes to talk about what you're doing and then move on to your daily work. Um, uh, that was something that he, he brought to the forefront and said, hey, maybe we ought to do this as we have been forced into our homes. We're not in the same office together. Maybe we ought to try that. And that really, the light bulb came on for me is, we've got to be able to take those past experiences. We've got to be able to take th that as a growth opportunity in hearing what others have to say. And it, it, I mean, it was Dan Bradley. He brought forth the idea. You know, I don't want to take credit for it necessarily. I don't have to do that. It made the organization better. And it goes back to our discussion. It's what are you bringing to the table? It doesn't matter if you're a person of color. It doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man or whatever it may be. What do you got for me? What, do, what can you do to improve my organization? If you can bring something, I want you. It doesn't matter any of those other factors. If you can't, it also, it doesn't matter any of those other factors. See the doorway? <laughs> it's right over there. See you later. So yeah, we, we've got to get this mindset, get out of this mindset of looking at a person and then categorizing them by the way that they look, by their sexu sexual orientation, by their, their sex. Are they male or female? And what do you got for me? That, that's all I care about. There's just so much more there outside of what Chuck just said. Um, what What's the integrity of the person? What's the character of the person? Amen. What's Amen. the essence of the person, the human? And yeah. um, I can appreciate yeah. that definitely. Yeah, I, I get it. We all we all have something to offer. Mm -hmm. 
We just have to be as leaders. And that's one of the things that your group is really focused on. It didn't, and, and you had to convince me of this, Julia. It's not female leaders. It's not the diverse leaders, it's leaders. And we're trying to raise the level of, of competency, of leadership ability in all people. We're, we're probably gonna focus on those who have been the least and the lost and the left behind in the past, but guys come along with us because we're gonna have something to offer you as well. So I, I applaud you and your uh, group that, that have formulated this way ahead by wanting to say, no, we just don't wanna segment out a group we want to be able to build leadership capabilities within all of our members. Yeah, thanks for recognizing, Chuck, that it was really important for us to have the men a part of the conversation. You know, not only to, to break down barriers and stereotypes, but all of the women have mentioned that their men have been mentors for us. And it is critical to, you know, again, bring them into the conversation. We are learning from, from the men as well. So then we can then pass on um, those experiences and knowledge to bring out more women and more diverse groups within to our membership. So it's essentially, it's just, it's a continuation. It's, um, you know, paying it forward. So um, yeah. thank you for that. It, it is crucial to have the men a part of this conversation, 100%. Absolutely. Great, great. So you're not kicking me out then? No, no, we've got, Thanks. we have a lot of plans for you, Chuck. You're going you're gonna to be busy. <laughs> I'm wiping my brow here. I thought I might be out the door. <laughs> no, if you don't already have enough to do, you know, we've got a few, we have some plans for you. All right. All right. Well, I want to thank you both for being here today and being a part of this conversation. Um, but before we leave our, our audience today, um, Jamila, I'll start with you. Can you give us some, some parting words? Some parting words. Um, personally, I think you should see color. You should see gender. You should see these things. That way we can learn to celebrate them. We can Amen. learn to love them all. And we can look further into the person and love the human that stands there before you. Amen. Well said. Well said. No wonder we promoted her. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Perfectly said, Jamila. And Chuck? Yeah, um, I'm just excited about the possibilities that this group holds. We really have missed this component, the idea of leadership and developing leaders within our community, wherever they may be, whomever they may be. So I am really excited about this group and what the potential it has and what it has to offer to the membership as a whole and then selfishly, what it may have in the way of offering a new group of leaders to IAM to help lead us into the future and to be the leading organization in the moving and mobility arena. So uh, I'm putting big weights on your shoulders, Julia, <laughs> as one of the, the leaders, Miss J putting it on you as well because you guys are are spearhead spearheading this effort within the IAM staff and um so make make it happen ladies because we you know our our success uh and the future of the organization rest on your shoulders 
No pressure, right. Julia. No, no pressure. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Right. So All far, right. you know, we've we've surrounded ourselves by an incredible group of people, the council yeah. and those who will be serving and working groups on the council. So we're off to a great start. And I think the the, the future is incredibly bright for this program. So thank uh, you. Before before we sign off, I I, I want to give Miss Georgia Angle mm. uh, just her kudos for stepping into a leadership role within this group. Ms. Angle was the very first woman chairperson for IAM. So, you know, maybe, maybe we're not too far off the mark or as, or as far off the mark because she led this organization uh, for three or four years and did a tremendous job. Um, she's been followed up by Peg Wilkin, who was another chairperson uh, uh, of the organization. So we've, we've had some female leadership in the past, but you know, it, it's been that uh, roller coaster ride where the, the predominant factor has almost always been, regardless of whether or not it's been a woman at the top, it's been male dominated. And so we, we've got to find ways to be more reflective of what the members of our association look like. And, and so a great goal for that group. Well, great. Well, thank you both. Both, And um, I'm sure we'll be continuing this discussion on as, as we develop the program. So thank you again. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Julia. Thanks. I'm joined today by Julia O'Connor, who is IEM's Director of Membership and Database Management. Thanks for joining me, Julia. Thank you, Carl. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a natural thing to have you. So this this segment that we're doing now is following the webcast that you did about DEI issues. So I figured, well, they they heard they heard you a little bit, and then <laughs> let's hear some more about Julia. You know, get to know you a little bit. Uh, so thanks for making time for this. So I just I just read off your title there. Uh, Director of Membership and Database Management. What does that mean? What do you do at IEM? <laughs> sure, it's a mouthful. So my job is to direct and oversee the membership activities for IEM, and that could be anywhere from developing programs, initiatives, and policies, which are you know, designed to increase membership and retain the current members. Uh, and then within that, it is um, managing our association management system, the AMS, which is uh, houses all of our dues processing, um, membership lists, records, so, so on and so forth. That's quite a lot. <laughs> a little bit. Well, as you know, we're small staff, so we all wear many hats here, as you do as well. Oh, that's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. You know, sometimes uh, at the annual meeting or you know, if I happen to meet a member, there's surprise. Like, you only have like, what, what do we have, 11 people on staff, I think, or exactly. half technically? <laughs> That's true. I get the same thing. They think we're a, a very large organization, about 100 employees, but we are, we are 10 and a half strong. Yeah, well, it, I think that's pretty impressive, actually, not to toot our own horn, but, you know, when you look at the size of our membership of about, what, 2,000-ish mm -hmm. uh, member companies, you know, and I, when I tell people that, 2,000 member con companies in about 170-ish uh, countries, <laughs> yep. they're like, oh, you must have like 1,000 people in the office. <laughs> I know there's days we wish we did, but no, we're, <laughs> we're pretty small, which is nice, because we... 
you really have the opportunity to, to speak with everybody. I think we all know each other pretty well. And, and that's one of the benefits of a small staff is, you know, there's, there's no silos. We really work collectively as a team. Um, and sometimes that can be lost in a, in a larger organization. So I think it's, yeah. a, it's a nice benefit. And you used to work for the Society for Technical Communication, right? I did. That, that's a much larger organization, I understand. Yeah, I've, I've worked for a couple um, associations. You know, one, in fact, the Military Officers Association. And at the time I was there, about 100 people. Uh, that big building in, in Alexandria, Virginia, we had about four floors. And uh, you really didn't have the opportunity to, to meet everybody. You had to venture off, uh, off the floor, and that didn't happen very often. Um, you know, great organization, but I, I think uh, the smaller size organizations, that's a good fit for me. It's my, my take on that. Same here. I, I worked, uh, I've worked for a number of small associations and, and I had an interview once a number of years ago with ASAE, which of wow. course has, it's sort of like, you know, you were saying about the place with like four floors and, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think they're actually in a, they're in a much larger building, like the footprint, but they're in two floors or something. And you, know, you can't just walk into the president's office and <laughs> chat them chat up for a minute. You know, it's just, I, I agree. Something really nice about the small staff. Definitely. And, you know, you get a whole lot better communication, I think. And um, you know, just a, for me, a better working environment. Yeah, I agree. So what, what was your first job? So that first job out of college, it was with, with the Military Officers Association. I've only worked in nonprofits and I was actually in, in the call center. And at the time, which I think is, is around the same, they have 400,000 members. And so, yeah, that, that was actually one of the most difficult jobs I've ever had because you had to be on every second of the day and you had to know everything that was going on in the organization from all the lobbying efforts to what was recently printed in the magazine to all the services available. Uh, so that was, I, I learned a lot. It was a great experience, but that was hard work. No doubt. That must have been <laughs> uh, stressful from the word go. It, that's exactly right. I remember clocking in at eight o'clock and uh, you, you couldn't be on uh, you couldn't be late. That was, that was certainly frowned upon. And that phone was ready at eight in the morning. There are already people in the queue. <laughs> <laughs> so you really had to be there like 750 or something. That's right. Oh my. So what, what did you take from that job that you carried with you through your other ones? I think, uh, um, you know, is having having compassion for people. Um, you know, sometimes you would have a, a difficult phone call. Um, you know, maybe it could be as, as simple as there was an affinity program, there was insurance benefits, and somebody might be calling on behalf of their, their grandparent who um, really needed help, you know, navigating through this insurance program, and they'd be really frustrated, and sometimes they would take that out on you. So you do the best you can, you know, you try and just deal with that individual at that time. And then once you hang up that phone call, you have to be ready for the next one. And you have to treat that person like you didn't get just get off a terrible phone call, <laughs> just short term <laughs> memory. And so that was the way that the day went is, is just really trying to treat each person with compassion and, and do what you were hired to do, which is, you know, provide a service to them. Right. So you really had to compartmentalize, like you deal with this call. And you get a little torqued about it, but you have to, you have to get, uh, you know, turn that off and just.
be cheery with the next call as much as possible. That's true. And, and you never knew what you were going to get into, what that next call was going to be. And then that next call could have just made your day. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's like a box of chocolates. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. That's true. <laughs> so what, what about jobs before that? Like you work during college and you, first of all, for those of you who don't know about Julia, she's, she's an athlete <laughs> and she's been, uh, I, you've been an athlete I, I'm, I know since since college and before that, because you're on a scholar, uh, soccer scholarship, right? Uh, That's at, right. In university. Um, so wh what sort of jobs did you have in high school in college or was the athletic stuff, did that pretty much take up your time? It definitely took up the majority of, of my time. So um, when I did work, it was during the summer and, and I worked in, in retail and uh, I, I was, Pretty fortunate. I worked for a, a good uh, a good clothing store, which I were I could work on commission, so made a, made a good uh, good earning over the summer. Um, but yeah, that that's that's pretty much what I did before uh, college. Good three years is yeah, I worked worked in retail. So that sales experience probably really set you up to be a data uh, not a database a, a membership person, where you're. I know it's it's not the same type of sales, obviously, and it's not commission, but you know, you, you really have to show them the benefit and you know, uh, really get people to come to the yes, right? Yeah, that's true. You know, there's, uh, you know, good training that was involved and, and something that that happened is it, it would be called like a secret shopper. So it would be someone that the corporation would send in to target you to, to help them out. And then you were graded on, on how you service that, um, that customer. So we, uh, it didn't happen very often, but it was good to get that feedback too. But again, it just, it, you know, goes into that, um, that personal touch is each person you're dealing with is they're there in the store for a different reason. It's either their day off or they're buying some fancy dress for this big party. And you just have to treat each each customer, you know, differently that they have that personal and, and great experience when they come into the store. Well, great. <laughs> so what books are you reading right now? Or if you're, if you don't want to admit you're not reading a book, and I'm not judging you for that, because I'm, I'm sort of between books almost permanently at this point. But uh, well, maybe what is your favorite book or what's a book that you recommend to others? Yeah, I'm reading a couple books right now. So one is in preparation for the CAE. I'm reading the Association Law Handbook. <laughs> I have that book. <laughs> so you probably are the only one who could really feel my pain uh, in this moment, Carl, as a, as a current CAE. Um, and yeah, that's what I'm reading right now. I'm um, trying to prep for this test. That seems a bit scary. So I'm, I feel like I'm back in school. I'm not doing um, a whole lot of reading for, for pleasure, um, but I'm also reading um, an association management book as well for, for work. Uh, yeah, so nothing too exciting. So you're getting some good sleep, it sounds like. That is, that is sure. <laughs> I do not recommend uh, reading the association law book before you're going to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, as dry as that material is, I thought that one was written pretty well. And I found just personally that for as thick as it is, and what is it, like 150 bucks or something? It's, it's massively expensive. Right. Uh, but that really, like the Sarbanes-Oxley stuff was about, there was maybe some some other stuff in there like human resources law but right. that's about all that was covered from that whole book 
Yeah, it, it's, you know, I like that they put it in because I don't have a law background and they, they put it in layman's terms. So it's, yeah. it's easy to follow and it's easy to refer back to every anything from, you know, antitrust to marketing best practices. And uh, I think probably both for you and I, this is a book that we'll be referring back to many times, you know, throughout our career. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's helped me out, you know, in other uh, for other organizations, too. You know, yeah. like, uh, I, I do some work with some C10 organizations and it just just being able to look that up and having that background is, you know, massively helpful. Yeah, it's a great resource. So you heard it here, folks. Everyone should go buy the Association <laughs> Law Handbook. It's very stimulating. <laughs> a great plug for ASAE. They will appreciate <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. So what, are you doing any races this year? I mean, are there are there any races? Can you do that? Or are they just yeah. like uh, honor system races? <laughs> well, I certainly hope so. So I was supposed to do half iron in Roanoke, Virginia last year over the summer. So they postponed the race and now it's supposed to be happening in June of, of this summer. And so I'm in right in the middle of training. And just yesterday I emailed the race. I said, hey, hey guys, is this still on? I'd really love to know because I'm right in the middle of training. Can I scale it back or do I need to, to keep yeah. going? Um, I haven't received a response yet, but um, the races are, the majority of them are shut down for now and, and hoping uh, over the summer we can get back to, to racing again. So what is the half iron man? So um, so that full iron man just cut right in half. It's about a half, a little under a half a mile swim, a 56 mile bike ride, and a half a marathon. So 13 miles. Wow. And, and that's over like one day, right? <laughs> in one day, that's right. <laughs> you just get all the pain out of the way in one day. Yeah. So what's your best uh, event of those three? Uh, I would say the run is, is my best event. Um, the, the swim is, I, I enjoy the water, but I'm not a natural swimmer. I never did swim team. And then the bike, I just, I, I find it enjoyable, but um, I, I, I rely on, uh, on the swim as my leg to make up, make up some of that lost time from the yeah. water. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So uh, what are you looking forward to, aside from the end, end to a pandemic? that's going on right now what are you looking forward to in 2021 I realize we're in March like I should have I should be asking you hey how's the spring shaping up <laughs> we'll just throw in the whole year yeah you know what I'm really looking forward is just seeing people again and being able to to meet over the weekend and you know go out for drinks or or, or just you know socialize with friends but I'm actually I'm really I cannot wait to see you know my mom and and my brother again I have not seen my brother in two years I haven't seen my mom in in well over a year and a half um and so just to be able to have that face-to-face -face interaction with them and I, that's what I'm looking forward to. As soon as it's safe, I'll, that's where I'm going first, heading on a plane to see see my family. That's great. Yeah, I talked to my dad the other night, and uh, he say, "No, we got the first vaccine." I was like, "Hey, I got my first vaccine too." So I'm thinking maybe like oh, in a month, awesome. yeah, two months maybe, uh, we'll be able to go see him. That is wonderful, and you know we're so excited. I love hearing that people are, are getting the vaccine. I, you know, if even if other can't get it yet, the more people that get it, the you know closer we are to hopefully coming to an end with this pandemic. Oh gosh, I hope so. Yeah, same, same. Yeah. 
So Julia, I asked you to prepare something for me, which is uh, two truths and a line. You're gonna try to stump me with this, all right? All right, yeah, you're pretty good at this. So I, I'm gonna do my best. All right, you're not exactly poker face, so I've got an advantage here. <laughs> I'm the worst, yeah. So I've got my notepad, I'm ready to take notes. Okay, you ready for me? Yeah, stump the chump. That's me, oh. by the way. <laughs> All right, number one, truth or lie. My hobby outside of work is photography. Let me know when you're ready for number two. All right, I'm ready for number two. All right, number two, I am one of 22 first cousins in the Gervais family. All right. And number three, I tutored gang members in a juvenile detention center. All right. So how long have I known you for? I've been, I am. Years, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I know we've, we've had this tutored the gang members thing conversation before. So don't correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you my reasoning here. That is true. And because I, I know we've, uh, I think, I don't know who told me that you did that and they came and talked to you about it because I used to do that sort of thing too, except it wasn't in, did you say in jail you did that? A juvenile detention center. So you so, were in the yeah, jail or they were in the juvie? Okay. I was not in the juvie. Okay. I was. Because <laughs> I was going to say false on that, but now I'm saying true again. Okay. <laughs> So one of 22 first cousins on the Gervais side, I, I think that's believable. But, um, you know, I'm going to have to say no on your hobbies, photography. And I know that, like, we're not best buds. We don't hang out all the time. But um, I'm sure you like photography, but I would not have guessed that because I think, you know, I used to be a professional photographer and, and we, we probably would have had that conversation. By now. So I'm going to say the that your hobby outside of work is not photography. In fact, I know your hobby outside of work is running. And when you're not running, you're running after your children. I know that's not a hobby. But so am I correct that uh, the first one is not true? You got it, Carl. I, I don't know if we can stump you. You are 100% right. My hobby is not photography. Probably the worst photography anybody has ever met. <laughs> I'm usually laughed at for yeah my selfies and blurred missed pictures. So photography is not me. I'll leave that to you, the expert. Okay. So what is your your hobby outside of work? Since we brought this up, then yeah, it's definitely working out, uh, going for a good run, or bike riding, just just anything to be outside and where the office is in in Old Town in Alexandria. It is so beautiful there. They have a great bike path and run path right by the water. And that's where I love to be, uh, to, you know, decompress after a long day. Yeah. Well, since you're not really working at the office, by the way, we've turned it into a gym. So you should come by sometime. <laughs> oh my gosh. I might be in tomorrow just because of that. <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, Julia, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for hanging out with me. It's always a joy to talk to you. And, uh, you know, thanks for uh, making such a great uh, DEI episode for the podcast. And um, we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Like Thank you, Carl. Later today in another Zoom meeting. Exactly. I'm going to see you probably in another hour for a meeting. <laughs> okay, great. Well, thanks a lot. <laughs> thanks, Carl. Okay, bye now. Bye-bye. 
Please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. Thank you for listening to the IEM Podcast. If there's ever anything you need from IEM, you can contact us at membership at iamovers.org or contact us by going to the Contact Us page on the IEM website at iamovers.org. Thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you next time.